Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm your host Jibraj and on this podcast I speak with founders, investors and domain experts from the Indian Valley trying to understand the art of building a legendary company. In this episode I speak with Vasant Kamath, co-founder and CEO of Smallcase. Smallcase is one of the most disruptive companies of India, transforming the fintech landscape of the country one product at a time. What started as a quest to fill a gap for retail investors who wanted to move from mutual funds to equity has now become an entire asset class in itself which is further building multiple products on top of it. Today, Smallcase provides millions of consumers the choice to buy a basket of stocks, making it incredibly simplified to participate in the capital markets. Further, it has built a publishing platform for independent financial managers which democratizes the field for financial creators and entrepreneurs like nothing else it has built gateway a platform that simplifies transactions for brokers and has launched ticketay for consumers to better analyze their own stock picks and more this is only a part of their brilliance as they truly transform the fintech experience for millions of consumers and other stakeholders in the country It is absolutely phenomenal how innovative they are as a company. The product excellence DNA, consumer delight baked in, and strong infrastructure at the back end makes them stand out exceptionally well. Today, Smallcase is a common noun and an asset class by itself. I sit down with Vasant Kamal, its co-founder and CEO, to demystify how they got here. Through this mind-blowing hour-long chat, Vasant helps us decode the org design that makes it possible for Smallcase to launch multiple products with excellence. He helps us understand what goes behind creating a truly differentiated and category-creating company. He also explains his thought process around culture, team building, managing multiple stakeholders, and building in a regulated market. This episode is a true treasure when it comes to knowing how to build a category-creating organization. I learned so much through this conversation and I assure you that you shall as well. But before we get started, here is a quick word about our sponsor. This episode of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast is presented by Stride Ventures, which is one of India's leading venture debt funds becoming synonymous with innovative startup financing in India. Stride Ventures provides comprehensive solutions going beyond venture debt to cater to distinctive challenges faced by high growth and inherently strong businesses backed by leading institutions the fund has a portfolio of over 60 plus diversified companies having deployed more than 1500 crore rupees to date in just over 2 years stride ventures has emerged as the preferred venture debt lender in the indian ecosystem to know more about this phenomenal fund visit strideventures.in that is spelled as s t r i d e v e n t u r e s . i n and with that let's dive in to the 94th episode of the indian silicon valley podcast with vasant kamar of smallcase thank you so much vasant for joining me incredibly delighted to be hosting you today absolutely jibraj likewise Thanks so much for having us on your podcast. I think this has been due for way too long, uh, close to a year now. But finally, glad we could make it happen. Absolutely, I I always say better late than never, and it's uh, amazing that we're finally doing this because uh, small case as a consumer has always fascinated me so much. So to be talking to its creator is definitely a bucket list uh, moment for me. But uh, more importantly, before we go on to you know how small case is such an innovative uh, as well as you know uh, just a disruptive company in general, uh, I would love to know what your abstract thoughts on. building a company as a founder is especially when it comes to let's say original solutions right because i mean again we talk about uh, you know a multiple models some are of course copycat and you know there are multiple things to be told but when you're creating an original solution so much of the path is untold and that's what small case has been able to do uh, extremely well so if you were to maybe take us through your uh, journey and help us understand what do you think about original solutions as a founder and how you've been able to figure it out along the way i, I think that'd be a great abstract note to start off with No, sure, Jibraj. I think uh, 
like this is something i keep thinking about a lot right now saying that you know it's been 6 years since we started uh, small case as a company 5 plus years that we've been uh, operating as a business and as a product and maybe you know this is something that we didn't do enough in hindsight some ways good some ways bad but overall i think we didn't really think about what we were building as a business from day one i think uh, the idea was that we felt something needed to be built or created in this space uh, and that's how we started so there was no very strong you know kind of say top down research to be done saying that okay this is the user segment that we are looking to create uh, looking to cater to or looking to target this is what their problems are and this is how we'll solve it it was very broad right so uh, kind of and that's i think very common of at least companies that are category creators because you can't really plan for a lot of things you can't think of having a set of needs or wants or problems from the user and start solving for that because then you're not creating something from scratch but uh, especially in the case of small case i think the core idea was you know that there are two types of investors one who and especially when they are looking to participate into equity one set of folks invest into mutual funds and then there's another set of folks who build their own portfolios invest into direct equity or stocks right and these were very mutually exclusive groups uh, say 5 years back at least as an overlap between these two was very less i think that was something that we felt would get bridged over time where it would become more of a life cycle for the for an investor to start out with mutual funds that's a great product for most folks to get started with and eventually as they would want to you know build their portfolio have it uh, you know have more allocation to their equity they would want more decision making they would want more control they would want more visibility into what they're investing into and they will eventually go towards the right side of the spectrum which is you know building their own stock portfolio and that's where we felt there was a gap in between like you know the one side is basically you are not like for example let's take the analogy of food right in one case you are what your mom makes at home or what's made at home is basically what you eat you don't have to think about what needs to be done and suddenly uh, the other side is where you have to decide what's to be made uh, get the ingredients for that cook it and then finally eat it so that was very extreme as how we saw it and that's where something as a middle ground needed to exist where you have say direction that say some any professional is basically providing in terms of say you know the stock selection etc but at the same time you have the optionality to actually customize things you have full transparency into what you are investing into you can basically decide kind of some of the actions that you take on your own portfolio and that's where small case really came in so while the concept is unique and original for the industry i think and even like when we had the first 3 to 4 years of our journey we had to be very creative in actually building this right because it's the foundation that we're building that had to be very first principles there was no other option as in there was no you know like you said there was no parallel or equivalent globally that we could look at and say okay this is the sequence of events or sequence of things that we need to do and start building it one by one it had to be you know primarily see, uh, continuing to go back to the same principle that is this in line with what we started with saying that is this solving that problem for that investor who's basically spent some years into investing in mutual funds and now wants to take more control of their portfolio because of this we had to kind of build a lot of new workflows a lot of new terms a lot of new pipes and infrastructure that did not even exist but today it's a little different as in now we don't necessarily have to think everything from first principles because that's what the core asset of the foundation has been built already i think right now what we spend a lot of time and actually that's help us kind of do things faster is actually take solutions or not solutions maybe principles from other industries because what we're realizing is like maybe this is finance maybe this is wealth management maybe this is investment products that we are building a layer for but a lot of principles can be borrowed from other industries because say for example over the last few years at least last few quarters we started thinking about how say marketplaces work and looking at different industries obviously contextualizing what makes sense for us or say how content licensing or deals work because it's the same mechanism or underlying dynamic that lies there that there's a creator there's a, a distributor there's an enabler and here we lie in a unique position of basically having to architect all three parts with our partners obviously but kind of you know how each dynamic can work different situations it's just become a lot more easier to contextualize and adapt versus having to think first principles 
Got it. No, I think that's very, very useful. And it goes back to the point that Spolkis is not just a product anymore. It's an asset class in itself, right? And that's the beauty of the product. Uh, but what's more interesting is for the longest time, you know, you've not deviated focus. And only now is Spolkis slowly becoming a product company where you have ticker tape, you have the gateway, you have the publishing platform, and you have so many adjoining products, right? But talk to us about how that initial journey played out, right? Like what did it mean to create that first set of, you know, infrastructure on top of which you can build out ancillary things about? And what was it like to create this category? Because I'm guessing it required a lot of evangelism, a lot of uh, education with the mass market as well, until it became a buzzword, until it became a verb, right? So while we see small kin in its current form, which is very famous, what was it like in the first three, four years would be interesting to know. Sure. No, it was purely a concept cell, right? As in, like I said, it wasn't like we could point out to something that's happening in Europe or in the US or in Japan and say that these are developed markets. Something like this has happened there. The same thing will happen here. So we're building that. That would have been way easier. I think we would have been way ahead in our journey if that was the case. But given this was completely novel as a construct in itself, uh, like it's a new form factor, like you said, a new equity asset class in a way that we're building. I think uh, it's required two things. One, more than actually evangelizing this with customers, I think the first step was actually to evangelize this with businesses who would then kind of, you know, further take it to customers and build trust, build credibility into the product class itself. But like a lot of what you mentioned, say, you know, the publisher platform, the gateway, ticket tape, like these are separate product lines and even business lines for us. But when we started, like all of them started from the core concept of small case itself, as in saying that today we have to say, let me maybe walk you through some parts of the timeline as such. So I think uh, when we had to start this whole concept, what we realized is you can't just have, you can't build this concept by just saying, you know, small case gives you portfolios and then you can invest in them with your own broker. So this is a say an app or a property where you can come in, look at portfolio ideas, and then go back to your brokerage and do something, right? Because that used to exist as a concept where, you know, you would have model portfolios that your brokers, research providers, advisors give you. But then the whole process around it was so cumbersome that you required, was required to basically reimagine or rethink how each step or each task in this process works. So the first step was actually getting a broker partner because without the transaction capability you couldn't have built the kind of experience that could make small case a product class that it is right now so that was the first step getting that itself required a lot of say explaining what this could become in the next five years which we are clueless like if you really asked me or my co-founders as well when we started out we did imagine that this would be the ideal scenario but we didn't think this would happen in five years we thought it would take at least a decade and we were like sure it might take that much time but it makes sense to exist that's why we have to build it so let's start but so first broker partner coming on them evangelizing uh, in our case it was obviously zero the who kind of uh, integrated built uh, the first set of pipes or apis that we could build this entire experience on took it to users introduced it in the way that we wanted it to be kind of positioned as well as a product class versus another platform where you can invest into stocks right so like for them to be able to also kind of take this to their client base their user base and actually put across this message there was a lot of front loading that we had to do to convince them to basically say that this could become large, right? So we had to walk them through all these potential uh, scenarios that could unfold as part of our vision. The next step from that was, if you're building a product class, it can't be on one broker, right? Then it's just basically a feature for uh, that broking platform versus really a product class. It has to be ubiquitous. So how do you go to the next broker? Uh, how do you go to the third, fourth, fifth? And different sets of, say, conversations, different sets of pitches, different sets of concept cells that happened at each point. But that is what it was required to ensure that say, like today, 95% of all DMAT accounts can transact into small case, but we required to get to 15 brokers to do that. Now, the solutioning of how it can go on to each broker in a fully compliant manner, what needs to be done on the infrastructure side? Where does the data need to be hosted? What are the kind of exchanges that need to happen on both a transaction level as well as you know a information level? All of that needed to be figured out over time, and all of this were results of you know these conversations and concept cells that we had to do. Now the next step was you can't just again it's a product class. You can't just have one entity or one individual creating these small cases. We need to kind of 
further extend that part so that more creators or what we call them small case managers can uh, start doing this. That's where Publisher started from. Today, now it's obviously a full-fledged business-in-a-box solution for over 200 investment managers and advisors, but that's where Publisher started from. Gateway was started because we realized that you can't just, again, have brokers taking this product to clients. You needed a different set of digital properties or ecosystems to also kind of you know popularize this, uh, evangelize this. So Gateway was first started as an attempt to basically say, you know, how can we take small cases, the discovery, the origination, the transaction beyond the broken shelf spaces? Uh, Ticker tape was a way for people to create their own small cases. When they were creating their own small cases, they were like, you know, is there a tool to basically screen stocks that we could use? Ticker tape started out from there. It was called small case screener first. And then the more we started getting user feedback, we figured out that there needs to exist a parallel ecosystem where Things are more around information, content, data, tools versus just the end product, which is a small case. So that's where Ticker Tape was started. So it all of this was, again, coming from the core that something like small case needs to exist. And then each of them kind of individually developed to become independent business lines. But uh, I think uh, like we didn't think about all of this become having the sort of use cases uh, when we started building those also or even in the earlier parts of the journey. Fair enough. I think it speaks to the fact that, you know, if you're building the building blocks of a category creating company, the rest of it follows. And then, you know, you can always fall back to the basics and repeat that process. I think that's what I find very fascinating. And through my research also was just uh, bamboozled by, but I think uh, another adjoining thing to what you mentioned, right? Now that all of these product innovations are happening, there are two sides to it. One is of course, customer feedback. And I'll come to that in a moment. Uh, But uh, now that you have so many of these product lines, how does small case internally function, right? So one is how, how do you manage the org design with all of this happening? Two is, of course, like what what makes this culture propagate, right? So it's one thing to say that, okay, we'll do a lot of things or maybe uh, we'll start a lot of products if need be, but it's another thing to execute it and it's another thing to make it happen, which small case has, of course, evidently done uh, very well. So if you can maybe address these two aspects around how does the product look like with all of these internal demarcations as well as what the culture is that blossoms all of these innovations, I think that'd be super helpful for everyone listening in. Sure, I think uh, the first question, I think, you know, you mentioned org design and that's something that I think uh, is always or constantly evolving, right? You can't really kind of have something and just stick to it always. For example, when we started out, again, it was simpler just because, you know, there was one platform that we had to build, which was the investor facing experience where they can discover, create, uh, invest in small cases, track, manage, et cetera. But as some of these other product lines started coming in, I think the call we took was a little bit of a gutsy one or risky one, at least at that point, that we have not been a function-oriented org design, and then we haven't built it that way. It's been more building full-fledged teams for each product line or each business unit, right? So. The small case, what we do with brokers is one business unit internally. What we work with managers, the publisher platform is another business unit. The third one, which is say gateway is another business unit. Our app, which we launched say, you know, a couple of years back is another business unit. Ticket tape is another business unit. So all of these, instead of saying, you know, these are different business units, you might have a business or sales team that is unique or built for these business units. We actually built the entire OGS or full-fledged capabilities for each of them. So there's no common design team. There's no, say, common product team. There's no common engineering team. You have central functions which are around, say, people, finance, compliance, say, brand design as well now. But otherwise, say, you know, each of these business units has dedicated bandwidth, has dedicated leadership or leads for, say, product, business, engineering who are owners for that business unit. And they have to basically continue recruiting, building the team, hiring people, and kind of building capacity for what they want to do. So that was, I think, an interesting call as in, uh, obviously, if things hadn't worked out as they did, it would have been really expensive to kind of maintain this kind of uh, of design as well. But thankfully for us, it all worked out. And like success, for example, say, Ticker Tape is now uh, another company altogether, right? It's We just moved it into a subsidiary company last late last year. And now that's a separate team with a separate identity that we're looking to build over there. So 
that's how kind of you know it's uh, helped us actually compartmentalize or like you said divide each of these different products each of them having their own roadmaps and each of them having also the capability to continue delivering on that versus you know priority is going to one over the other which means that say you know today the priority is to kind of build gateway so it's not like you divert resources people efforts time into one specific thing everything keeps building by its own one has you know this period where they are seeing a lot of scale they are seeing a lot of growth that's where that team builds itself in a period of redundancy or say in a period of where there's not much activity there there's obviously flexibility to kind of move them across things but it's not designed that way as in people come in knowing knowing that they're going to be working on the certain product line this is the role that they have to play and that gives them a lot of say mind share and time to just focus on that piece so i think that's been very helpful for us today i think we are starting to realize that some of say these teams that we are building or some of the people might function more effectively if it was built at a central level that's where we're taking those calls to again say maybe this needs to be a central function maybe this needs to be a split function where there's central leadership but then again they are divided among these different business units but Uh, that's that's how it's continuously evolving and i think uh, that's where kind of a lot of thought needs to be put in because it's like a wrong a slightly wrong decision at this scale basically can uh, lead to periods of you know chaos confusion uncertainty etc so that's one thing that we continuously are on top of i think the other thing you asked around saying how do you kind of build this culture is because of the org design it's pretty easy to kind of have everyone focus towards one thing versus saying okay there are five different things inside small case how do we kind of you know know what is the most important thing to focus on like it's it's innate human behavior to basically say you know i want to be contributing where it matters the most like what changes the companies or the businesses fortunes in a bigger way that's where i want to be because that means they'll have Higher chance of being noticed, rewarded, incentivized, etc. But that's where having this kind of org design itself has made it easier for the motivations to stay intact. Uh, otherwise, I think some things that we do at a more broader level has just been, you know, kind of being transparently, being transparent in the good way. That's helped us a lot. Like a part of that is also kind of not having restrictive processes, having more constructive processes. There might be areas where things could go wrong, but don't try to. curb them from day one right as in uh, let things foster fester however they should and then if you see something wrong happening then you start you know being restrictive there it's it's like just to give an analogy to how regulations also work like it's very similar to how say us regulators work maybe not the right way to also but then everything is left open and then as problems issues keep coming in you try and solve them whereas say in india it's unless it's foolproof and you know there's no instance or possibility of something failing you know they don't open anything up so both work differently but when you're dealing with people obviously one makes sense over the other so giving trust is always the first thing you can't expect trust without giving it so i think that's been interesting for us now more recently i think also continuing to think first principles staying creative has been more and more important because now we're starting to get in more senior folks uh, leadership team is coming from places where they've done things before and they obviously come in saying that oh these 10 things don't happen here you know maybe i should just take what we used to do in the previous organizations in my previous experiences and stints and basically replicate that over here i think it's very easy and convenient to do that because you can always justify it saying you know this is how it works somewhere else let's this is a starting point we'll continue evolving it but i think that's again something that we've been very focused on to basically say no if it doesn't make sense we won't borrow some of the practices or processes because that gets very hard to hard and plus time intensive to basically correct so rather let's not do certain things uh, we know the downsides we know the risks but let that happen once you know you start seeing bad behavior somewhere that's where you uh, constrain it or restrict it versus doing it from day one i love how detailed that was in the sense that it shows that demarcations are necessary it shows the focus of the leadership on uh, such org design principles as well which has of course led to the success of small case uh, but it's interesting on the second part was and quickly doubling down how do you as a founder especially as a first time founder 
all understand and then cope up with the importance of culture because i'm guessing that it must have been an evolving journey for you as well and it still continues to be so uh, but if you can maybe help us understand that how deliberate uh, are you as a founder on the culture traits of the organization and what it means to scale it as the company grows right on the other aspects of when it is a culture shock for senior leadership what do you do what are some more intricate things that maybe if you can give us from practical examples uh, i think that would be super helpful so sure i think uh, like it's not something that we have what do you call it um, consciously tried to keep repeating and getting people to kind of adhere to it uh, it's not like say we have a culture book or any anything of that sort i think what's like i strongly believe that culture starts honestly from the top as in however flat you say an hierarchy is or a company is like what the founders do how they behave is going to be where the culture starts from that starts becoming a larger group where then there's a core team there's a leadership team and that's what people start kind of trying to mimic or trying to copy right so in our case it's been easy for the first four years out of a six year journey purely because we were a small team right we were maybe touching 40 uh, sorry 50 people i think uh, 2 to 3 years back couple of things that have happened is where we have gone from this 50 to 300 over the last 2 to 3 years as well as you know the whole concept of working remotely which we have now embraced but then i think both these things have required us to basically start being more involved where we see things not going right right like you know now this is something that we are starting to see more of where new people new folks come in you know they come in and they basically see that okay uh, from their previous organizations again they've always required this where's the power center at right whatever i need to do like who do i need to please who and who do i need to validate who do i need to kind of work in accordance with so that my job is easy my work is easy it gets approved everything so trying to basically identify that and work with that but we've never been that set kind of people at all in the sense it's always been what's right to do not just for the business but also for the user has been at the core of all of this so that's like these are new things that we are starting to deal with and the only way to kind of uh, address this is basically stop it at where it starts you know actually festering right and start speaking to people and tell them that or actually demonstrate it as well saying that you know one person might like a certain thing but that's not the reason why it's going to get approved or why it's going to go you have to kind of have collective consensus around a bunch of things that maybe sometimes delays things but overall i think in the long term it makes it just better to kind of encourage that versus not Fair enough. No, I think that's helpful and uh, very, very important to emphasize because, I mean, if you're handling the root cause, I think that takes care of the rest. So super to hear that. I think an ancillary point to culture, and since we've spoken about this, is of course the team. And an interesting aspect uh, with the co-founders is that you know there's always a lot of conventional wisdom stating that if you're not from a certain industry, you're more likely to disrupt it. Uh, in your case, uh, that does not happen to be the case, and you actually use uh, the experience you had from you know your background in capital markets. You mentioned in the past that uh, you come from a family which had exposure to capital markets early on and so you knew about it more or less right and you used that to some degree to innovate the way you have in small case what i'm trying to allude to is pretty much as to how you think about building the team uh, at small case is it more like centered around you know particular disciplines is it centered around certain traits that you look out for but what's the general hack to building a solid team that is innovative in nature and that can uphold certain cultural traits uh, i think that would be a great uh, segment to understand no sure jivaj i think uh, maybe i'll start this from the founding team again as in the three of us who started small case like to be honest like while i come from a family that's been into the stock markets both from a user side as well as from a provider or a business side as well it's not been extremely helpful to be honest as in i think the fact where it's helped is that what i'm doing is not very alien or completely alien to my family right and that's where i got encouragement to basically do things because they understood things very broadly uh, but even that didn't mean like there was total belief or faith in what we were building because like i said it was something that was a concept very hard to kind of imagine or visualize when you're just talking saying that this is what we want to build in 5 years and like that's not how things work right so uh, maybe it works maybe it doesn't but at least they were broadly supported towards the fact that saying that okay we know that you're doing something in an area that we broadly understand right but 
like it's also helped in ways where say like when you're starting from scratch you definitely need a support system of people who know other people who understand the language of the industry that you're operating in who can open doors for you have some learnings have some expertise to kind of help you with but honestly i think uh, kind of that's where my co-founders came in from like they have experience in the financial services space both from you know the product side of things as well as from the technology or the engineering side of things and that was really invaluable right as in like you mentioned this uh, conventional way of thinking like i before starting small case i was at this company where we used to analyze startups our customers were venture capital firms they were corporate development units at businesses who wanted to identify the top or the breakout companies in a certain space and just going by that i you know it's it's very easy to kind of just look at what's on paper and say yeah you need a certain formula to be there in the founding team that oh yes if this guy comes from say a fang company or this person has uh, done this in the past it kind of fits because that's how say if you are sifting through a lot of things if you have to prioritize or filter out certain things maybe that's one of the most important factors that you look into but i think uh, over time i think what i've realized is like especially in founders it's not the experience it's not the skill sets that you need what you need in a co-founder is compatibility and trust as in experience skill set all of that you can hire for you can you know buy your way into it but then the if the founders don't trust each other if they are not aligned in the way that you think uh, if say you don't understand each other's motivations like even simple things like just reading what each other's reactions or faces when presented with certain information means it becomes very hard to take decisions and that becomes more and more tougher as the company continues to scale because if you know different people have different motivations they will keep pulling the other along the and then you're just stuck in the middle somewhere right so and that translates to the core and leadership team also where you know you need to operate as one unit like both internally externally as in you can't keep second guessing saying that oh that person is thinking that way that's where you know most things start uh, going wrong like politics uh, ego all of that starts coming in but i think if it doesn't start with founders it's not impossible but it makes for a very very bumpy ride and journey ahead right so in our case on the team side of things i think like one thing we've been super fortunate and touch wood to this like we've got a large part of the team being users of the product first and then coming in to actually say you know we want to build this as well and that's great for multiple reasons right because you they are coming in with the intent of saying we understand what you are building we also want to build that the i wouldn't call it bad but the tougher part about this is just that everybody is super opinionated on the product because they're all users so kind of shipping anything etc you have to justify internally before you even take it out there and start to see what feedback is uh, say you are held much more accountable for decisions that you take because again they are users so if you are taking something that isn't user first your team is the first one to point it out and say that you know as a user i wouldn't like this at all so i don't think we should do it so it becomes a little slower but then again great trade off for the long term but it becomes a little tough to kind of also get things through there but that's where i think just having that advantage of people coming to us and saying i want to build this i want to be part of this journey i want to be part of the team that's building this product has been great i think in terms of traits that i personally look at when we are interviewing folks uh, is one is basically depth i think the kind of depth that they go into while either doing something or even thinking about something as in just how thoughtful they are about what they've done in the past or what they want to do uh, speaks a lot about what their motivations are and the second thing is just basically and i do this a lot while like interviewing folks or speaking to them that you know push them into areas where i know that they don't have the answer or they never had the answer like you know for example say you know so someone was building a product like why did you build this feature like if it uh, worked or if it did not work but if the answer is something like uh, no because you know someone else told me to do it or something like that as in the ability to basically say you know that i don't know why we did this or i don't know why i want to do this that speaks again a lot just because it kind of is a leading indicator of maturity there so i i just look for these two characteristics if they kind of they are very thoughtful they they go deep into anything that they are working on or thinking about at the same time whether kind of there is 
the ability to mature over time got it i think that's incredible purely because uh, i think very unique traits are uh, looking for depth and you know that sense of maturity and the fact that you want people to say i don't know and be accepting of it is just like a phenomenal cue for everyone listening as well and normalizes that belief as opposed to us wanting to know everything and being know it all so i think that's super to echo i think this is this entire segment has been phenomenal and i'd like to quickly just go back to the fact around you know let's say consumer insights and feedback cycles right now that the product uh, in and of itself is based so much on top of what consumers believe i'm guessing so much of it is noise as well right uh, not every uh, feature that i perhaps request as a user is something that small case can build uh, how do you manage to perhaps again two parts to it one do this initially right because i'm guessing that you can't break focus initially when you're trying to find product market fit and establish yourself and of course the second side to it is now that you have so many adjacent products as well what do you focus on and how and how do you maintain this at scale considering that you have critical mass now uh, will be very interesting just from a product mindset and how you know great products get built so yeah i uh, would love to hear that from you sure i think uh... it goes back to what we discussed first saying that you know there's a core rational idea principle whatever you call it in mind saying that this is what we want to build and there's a direction that you also define saying that you know these are the things we'll do you don't define the things you want to but that ha- that has to happen over time uh, but having that is very very helpful because kind of that's that's what binds you to uh, sticking to a certain thing that you decided much earlier and that has to be open ended or framed in the manner that you know it doesn't restrict you but again you know you can do more things with it but like if we had gone about this very logically or rationally where you know we are saying okay we need to solve this person's problem or this is a personal problem that i need to solve you could basically if you call it pivot you call it keep evolving you call it uh, keep changing the whole idea that could happen because things like this keep getting questioned to various degrees varying degrees at different points in time right? but i think just the fact that it's very helpful to have a base or a foundation that you keep going back to and saying this is what we want to do and this is why we are doing it and then start looking at feedback and contextualizing that helps a lot like a lot of the new products say for example say the publisher platform i think uh, our first independent manager who used it his name is alok he's talked about this quite a lot on you know his uh, social media as well where he just came and said you know is this possible i would want to do this why i'm going into this specific thing is this was something that we always wanted to do as in we knew that if this small case has to be a product class we need to democratize the manufacturing aspect of it we need more people who are registered entities to come and create small cases now from a timing perspective when do you do this from who is the early adopter for this for in the case of say for example brokers it was zerodha and we couldn't have asked for a better partner to really start out with the same was in the case of alok right as in he came in he said i want to do this and if we had to go out finding you know the first user for this that would have been incredibly tough because then you are starting to pitch a product into someone's workflow versus kind of building what you want to build and them adapting a little bit to it as in there has to be some compromise at both sides for in order to kind of find this product market fit like you mentioned but that's where say publisher was started because alok reached out and said you know i want to do this i think he reached out in a certain month and after 6 months back we got back to him like we spoke at that point understood his requirements and said it take some time but 6 months later we figured the timing is right and we had someone who really wanted to kind of build it you have to be open minded you have to be creative imaginative to basically say okay we don't know what we're building but these things should get solved from there on similarly in say the gateways case this came from two different use cases like for example money control team came to us and said you know we would like to use something like a gateway and we always knew that something like a gateway should exist or say uh, an asset manager then reliance nippon now nippon one of the heads of you know their etf business came to us and said this is very interesting you doing it for stocks let's do it for etfs and these are great to basically start building out products because you know you have a core you know that this has to be done at some point of time now you identify an anchor use case to basically start building towards ticket tape again like i said it was a user saying that you know you're helping me create you're asking me to create a small case but i have an idea but how do i actually translate it into what stocks go there so give me a screener screener went into more information etc so that has been getting to pmf has been easier there because kind of again been very fortunate to 
chance upon or have the right set of people write into us and say that hey we would want to be part of kind of being the first use case there will be mistakes there will be bumps but that's fine as in this is something that we really want to do also now i think the uh, and like because again of the org design it's just been easier to kind of keep taking this feedback like the feedback cycles you're mentioning i think it's just been easier because each of them have dedicated bandwidth towards what they need to build they're building it for a certain user persona they're building it for a certain use case and they need to keep firing on that today it started becoming a little more you know interesting intriguing just because some of these parts are now also coming together as an ecosystem right now you know you don't have like when we got to from one independent manager using publisher to 50 it was basically us going and telling them this is one part of your operations workflow you know that we can streamline and can work come onto the publisher platform they get onboarded they use it and then they start seeing other features and start you know the use the value prop becomes a lot larger for them today the kind of people who want to be who want to use our different products are not coming in with that frame of mind right these are say for example someone is registering themselves or becoming a manager because there exists a publisher platform that they can use right like you would have seen this in say the case of substack like newsletters were already always around and but now say people are starting independent writing businesses because there exists substack not because they didn't want to do it before or anything like that right i think the same thing is happening here which is where now we have to be a lot more deliberate about how we are building this as an ecosystem build that say kind of playbook there or you know you call it a guiding doc or uh, say certain uh, philosophy or ethos of the platform that we need to build because that's where things start to also uh, overlap with each other like you have to ensure that the user has the best experience while catering for these individual use cases as well so it's been easy to be honest just because you know these were separate ones they were not really coming together like alok started his business you know he could like i'll just this is just an example to illustrate this like alok when he came onto the platform he got his own website like at weekendinvesting.smartcase.com he put his own products there now he asked his users to use this instead of something else today alok smallcase is there on a broker platform one of our broker partners it's there on the smallcase app it's there on even a third party say gateway user as well now you are basically looking at it from four different lenses a certain you know workflow right from the user's perspective first then the manager then the gateway partner then the broker and also the smallcase uh, you know tying all this together so that started becoming a little more interesting just from a problem solving perspective but uh, for sure i think like how we manage these feedback cycles how we prioritize among different things there has to be a more structured framework to this and that's something that is a work in progress but uh, hopefully maybe in a year year and a half time i can come back and talk about some of the learnings that we saw through this phase as well well enough and i think that that makes a lot of sense from what i hear is you know initially you have to listen to most things and figure out and be i don't i think courageous enough to just tread those pathways and eventually you have to just uh, figure out a process to the madness so i think that's super interesting and those stories are very interesting to know because it's just amazing how the publisher platform has you know uh, made this financial creators as, as an entire audience now right shopify for financial managers their substack for social managers you can call it what not but it's just a phenomenal what it's done to the industry so kudos to the small case team on that as we go on to you know conclude the phases another very the interesting dimension for small case is the number of stakeholders you have right so a bunch of these the things that you do requires brokers requires partners requires multiple kinds of audiences as well right there's a consumer on the end of small case there's a different kind of consumer for the publisher platform as we spoke about help us understand that you know when we look at such different personas uh, what do you as, as the leadership do to construct and ensure i, I know all of it must flow from the uh, org design as well but how difficult or not so difficult the stakeholder management get in small case and how do you tackle that aspect of things i think that would be super fascinating to know vasan no no absolutely i think uh, this is not easy at all this is one of the more tougher things we have to do not just because of the kind of partners that we have like these are some of the largest fastest growing most respected institutions and brands we of in the financial space that we work with but also because of the 
diverse nature of their own businesses their own priorities their own sets of say you know how their teams are who is leading stuff things keep changing over there so that constant nature of evolving priorities and targets in their end is also you know very interesting to deal with definitely makes it a lot more tougher as well i think again the same thing like i mentioned earlier right it was easier at the start because there was one set of folks uh, that you are basically serving a use case towards and you keep building for that when things start to overlap that's where you need to be a lot more one you need to define it very well as to what the platform what small case and the products and the platform gives to them and that can't be like five things right that has to be at max two uh, things uh, or just to keep it simpler it has to be one set of things that kind of you know they can expect from this and you just need to stick to that and then you can't keep changing this to offer because like i said these are this is stakeholder management this is not really companies you're talking to these are people you're talking to and then people have their own thought processes they have their own ideologies about things which keeps changing so keeping it very simple and saying you know we are use case for you or we exist for you for this set of things and that will always remain constant and that won't change we'll be consistent to that we'll keep sticking to that anything that keeps coming in over time is not going to get added to that it will just be like a bonus thing but we don't know whether that will persist that will continue that might die off etc but these are the three things this is what we'll stick by and that's what you need to expect from us there will definitely be more things as we continue growing as you continue growing as a new set of you know users consumers investors come onto the platform but let's not move away from these three things because these will be sacrosanct and these will continue to always exist that has helped a lot i think the second thing that's helped is basically just being upfront and transparent right saying that like right from early days uh, kind of one thing that we've always said is the things that we will pick up which is on the business side or the partner side has to make sense for the other partners like we won't pick up things that is only say custom to you we do do that as well but only where it makes sense so that sense of what do you call it being reasonable has to exist from both sides to say you know maybe this won't help others but sure we'll pick this up and we'll ship this out or saying that you know this is a use case that doesn't make sense for anybody let's let's we are not going to pick this up being upfront and transparent about that is super useful as in it might seem like in the short term you are saying no to someone but then i think in the long term that actually builds more trust because you are demonstrating or staying consistent on what you are basically saying and that's that's what trust is right it's basically being consistent time and time over again for example like we released our product roadmap to the manager community saying that these are the things that we're picking up this is what stages they are in divided into different objectives and you can find that whenever you want to any change that happens you can keep tracking it over there you have feature requests you put in we'll keep adding it over here and we'll tell you how we are thinking about picking this up so maybe that's over communicating being maybe radically transparent to some degree but that just helps as in you'll have to find the right degree where it makes sense where it doesn't but that definitely helps a lot i think more recently also what started helping us a lot over there is just basically putting keeping the user first right like having the user side of things also there because someone has to stand for the user and again contextualizing everything that we speak about from the user lens from the user's journey from their motivations their requirements again makes it simpler to have a lot of these conversations whether to build something new which you know we have to get their buy in for or whether to uh, not to something it it just basically helps to basically take a user first lens or approach to that as well but yeah i think uh, it's 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 not an easy job i think like today we work with over 300 plus partners handling all of that while sticking to one core principle of saying you know everything revolves around small case it's the core and the user is the first one to that we have to kind of continue building for it's it's, it's a very uh, complex but interesting thing to do
Yeah, I think it sounds very interesting. And what I'm hearing is just like simply managing expectations that remains to be the core. And uh, I, I love how you, you know, elaborately explained and candidly explained how this works. So that's super interesting to hear. One of the other uh, and maybe last challenges that I want to speak about is the external facing situations in a regulated industry, right? Considering that you are in the financial services industry and where regulations are almost always evolving, it's something that requires a lot of care, a lot of trust within the consumers as well. How do you evolve with it? Because it's one thing to innovate and control things that you're always doing at the company, but it's another thing to be impacted by external circumstances, right? So when you are in a regulated industry with external forces, uh, what do you do as a founder? Has that ever been a botheration? Or how do you think about the regulations aspect of things uh, when building in fintech? Uh, that would be uh, one to hear from as well, Vasant. No, sure. I think there are multiple regulators in the fintech space. We work with the capital markets regulator and uh, full credit to them. They've been super accessible. They are very responsive Kind of, they understand things. But I said, like I said in the, like earlier, right, that they won't take a step because there is one use case for it, unless kind of, you know, it's foolproof. Like they will want to restrict any chances of anything going wrong. And that's a good way to do it uh, versus say what, you know, you see regulators in other uh, countries doing it just purely because kind of in a land like India, where the population is so high, the number of minds that are working to figure out workarounds and loopholes in any process of workflow, you'll be amazed by it, right? So it totally makes sense. But that's it kind of, you know, the accessibility or the responsiveness of the regulator has never failed to kind of uh, amaze us. I think... uh, how we look at it is basically regulations or the regulator is another stakeholder, an important one. So a lot of what I spoke about saying handling our partners and those businesses continue to be the same, except that like the only additional thing in this case is that we have always been on the right side of things as in like anything is gray. We won't touch that. Like if anything, forget like saying, you know, this is not defined today, so we'll do that. That's gray, that's black, whatever you call it. But we've always been on the right and white side of things. And we've just been consistent with it again. I think, again, just uh, sticking to the same framework or principles, there's a lot of advantage to doing that. It's it's not easy or obvious to understand why, as in you ideally should basically say, you know, you should keep evolving, you should keep changing your mind, etc. But uh, having a set of, things that are written in stone and just sticking to that. And that's for every you know, stakeholder, right? Be it our partners, be it the regulator, be it the consumer or our user. That That is the only way to build trust and credibility over the long term. And in, in a business like ours, it's even more important to kind of do that purely because you're dealing with people's hard-earned money, their savings, etc. So kind of reputation or that credibility is just more important to build. But I think that's something that we've been very clear on right from the start, that if something is not clear, uh, we don't go ahead with it. If something has any chance of kind of being a reputation risk for us, better not do it. Like even if you think that there's 5%, maybe it can become 10%, no point, let's not do it. As in, those are things we just completely stay away from. Fair enough. I think that's evidently clear and and a great uh, rule of thumb as well. Just being on the right side and being fundamentally strong matters. Finally, you know, before I go on to the last set of questions about you personally, I'm sure everyone listening in would love a sneak peek into what's next for small case, considering that there's so much innovation. Uh, With whatever little you can share with us, maybe, you know, help us understand, you know, there have been talks around when small case is going to go international because I'm sure that there is evident demand for something of the kind in international markets as well and uh, with all that is happening with fintech being the rage of the ecosystem right and valuation shooting up and whatnot is there something more that we are waiting to see from small case in the next maybe uh, 12 to 15 months I think that's one thing I would love to touch upon sure I think uh, something completely new few things on the anvil I think like and I don't want to obviously kind of you know take away from the team that's building it, but uh, it'll come over time. But I think few things that we're doing on the small case side, I think that's interesting. I'll come to the international part, but I think on just on, you know, serving the India market uh, for the users here, I think one thing uh, we see very strong is basically what we've done for Indian stocks as well as Indian ETFs could be extended to other asset classes. 
two reasons i think one is we are seeing the same set of problems or challenges in other assets now you can see call them say global equities you can talk about bonds you can talk about even crypto for example right and that's where one the whole accessibility for the retail investor in understanding what this is the issue or the problem in selecting the constituents that they should be essentially investing into that's common for some of these asset classes it might not be for something like say a mutual fund so we might not go there but say for uh, us equities as well as say for example like crypto those would the form factor of small case really works very well it extends very well to solving those challenges as well so that's something that we are actively working on i think the second thing uh, or reason why this makes sense is uh, also that you know you can have very interesting combinations uh, or very interesting exposures or products if you kind of start combining all of this versus just being uh, restricted to the domestic universe like today we have an electric mobility small case which gives you exposure to the electric vehicles trend or phenomenon that's playing out but there's only indian stocks in it an ideal way to play that theme would be take global exposure to it so that's something that we're very bullish on i think on the international side uh, definitely something that has merit very strong merit as well we are seeing this actually play out in both developed markets as well as emerging markets so that's how we're thinking about it that there are very solid use cases in both of these markets in the developed markets it might be more as an enabler like we license a technology out we get into some sort of partnership with one of the businesses there and slowly see how that basically pans out whereas say in emerging markets a lot of them in southeast asia or say in south america that are actually where india was say 3 to 4 years back when we started here so there's a lot of value to actually going there and replicating the entire stack not just small case as a concept but also publisher gateway ticket tape and more so that's something that we want to do for sure i don't know where we will be in a position to do just because there's too much happening on the indian side of things itself more new things coming on our plate or roadmap but i think we'll take some starting steps to that this year because it's important for us to diversify as a business not just by asset class but also geographically as well absolutely and i think all of us will be rooting for it so super glad to hear that to to end this conversation i have a series of two to three questions which are similar in nature that i ask each founder before ending the episode the first one there for you wasant is i'm i'm sure that you know uh, i think you graduated from iit kharagpur in 2013 you had a job or two and then uh, you started off small case but i'm trying to allude to is maybe as a first time founder what does it mean and how have you evolved through this journey personally if you maybe can give us a insight view of that because it's just amazing that companies continue to grow at such a evolving velocity but we often forget how the founders or the people building it have evolved over that journey so if you can maybe tell us how wasant was when you know sparkcase was starting out in 2016 to who he is right now i think that would be super fascinating to hear musha i think uh, this is something i keep thinking about a lot as well right as in what's changed in me over the last quarter half year year years half a decade decade etc but i think uh, one big change that i've seen in myself and like this is something that people around me have kept pointing out is that i used to be very impressionable very uh, excitable say you know 5 6 years back become a lot more well balanced sober now uh, like i don't know if you've seen this dude where there's this uh, i'll maybe share it with you on uh, chat post this but uh, there's this graph where kind of they show a founder's temperament versus the time you know they've been a founder like this euphoria on one end this paranoia terror horror on the other end and every day is basically just you know going through the extremes and over time you basically start going towards the middle i think that's all that's been true for me completely like my co-founders actually are not like that they've never been like that they've been always towards the middle of that uh, graph uh, but that's kind of something that i like any meeting be it with a prospective teammate say you know a business meeting something very random like either i go into this whole phase of saying oh shit everything is over for us or that this is just going to make our business grow 100x every single meeting used to be there and kind of i think that's where one thing this change is just basically one 
being a lot more balanced uh, being very steady about things not you know getting easily excited by everything just giving everything its time and second just reading people better i think that's again a superpower that i've luckily been able to hone over the years where it's it's not right to say that i stereotype uh, every person but it's helpful for sure because kind of you know you give them the benefit after that a benefit route where you don't stereotype them and just keep them there but there's obviously you know between the lines the nuances the grays between the white and black that you can bucket them into but uh, kind of it's just it's become much faster to basically understand a person in like 10 15 minutes if you know you get there then it makes for it just makes the whole process a lot more efficient and effective but yeah these two things for sure awesome no i think uh, those are perfect because uh, with my brief experience of talking to founders on the show i just realized that the firefighting of each day just makes it a very the sinusoidal curve as you mentioned just becomes very easy to go for and that becomes a steady state for founders anyway so i mean no low is too low no high is too high after that is just the process that matters and it's wonderful to have that reiterated here the other aspect that i want to touch upon is uh, i think there's been an evident i mean considering that you're building part of the future and that it requires a lot of foresight in developing original solutions if you can tell us what are some of your thinking principles right because you've been very clear from the start and i've heard you say in the past that you know you want small case to become a verb a common noun my bad there and it has a very evidently it's become an asset class in itself and soon you know that is going to become the rage uh, but what do you think are some other principles that help you think ahead maybe right considering you're building something so category creating that requires part of building the future how do you look at the future and what helps you develop a sense of foresight is what i want to decode i think look, uh, let me try to take a stab at that but uh, i think couple of things and both are linked ones that everyone or everything really starts from zero right as in there's no doubting that i think that's where a lot of things go wrong to say that you know we're not really starting from zero because there's some experience there's some groundwork done etc but practically everything really just starts from zero and there's uh, nothing to say that say you know i want to for example just be a really good photographer in 10 years i can start today i don't have to kind of i don't it's not that i should have started 10 years back i should start a few years back so and that's just become more and more easier over time as with technology with just you know everything being available on the cloud and in a click i think understanding or realizing or recognizing the fact that you know everything or everyone just starts from zero that's interesting i think the second one has been that you know there's nothing really impossible and that goes a lot towards kind of how we build product how we do business how we kind of think of uh, growth as well that like like i told you like like when we started there were a bunch of folks from my family from the industry who said you know this can't happen they like this nobody would there's no takers for this uh, people in the industry won't support that's not how things are done there are all these unsaid rules structures built but like it's all about the people that you're working with if you can convince them it might take time but it's all about that as in anything is possible like whatever has happened today globally or since you know civilization started has just been about people saying that yes let's do this versus saying oh it wasn't possible hence uh, maybe we are not the ones to do it but and that's taught me about saying you know the narrative the messaging the pitch the story that you basically craft and tell people to get them onto your side to show them what their win is to show them how the future might look that's supremely important in whatever you do right be it like and that translates to anything even a simple whatsapp message to say what you put on an email to how you do a call if that is missing then you're not really being true to kind of what you want to build out but uh, i think these two things keep kind of coming back into anything that i do that everyone starts from zero so there's nothing like oh he's just starting out or she's just starting out they won't uh, be successful this fast everything just starts from scratch and the second thing is that nothing's really impossible uh both of them kind of linked to a certain extent absolutely i love the linkage in fact you know like uh, if everybody starts from zero with the belief that nothing is impossible i'm sure there are mountains to conquer so phenomenal to hear that uh, this has been awesome vasant i think there's so much of diversity throughout the conversation and so many core company building lessons as we end this i think uh, 
I'm not sure if this would be a fitting end, but I would love to go back to your primary motivation that maybe helps you uh, deliver day in, day out to date. Maybe uh, if you can talk to us about what breeds the entrepreneur in you, what, uh, you know, motivates you to build small case as in its entirety and what helps you just uh, show up every day, despite the bad and the good. Uh, I think that would be a perfect close to what has been a phenomenal conversation. Uh I think different things at different points. One thing that's stayed constant though has been just basically the inclination to learn or curiosity, right? As in, if you look at any assignment or exercise or any conversation from that lens to say, you know, let's figure out what we can learn from this versus trying to say, okay, this is the agenda. This is what we need to do and just do it in that manner. It just helps a lot, right? Because kind of the how the conversation goes, what you talk about, your energy, your participation, your involvement, all of that really changes. So I think that's something that's always uh, been very helpful. The other thing that's more recent, I think for particularly for the last two to three years, as we've scaled as a business, has been the core motivation has become responsibility, as in there's a lot of responsibility in us in a business and uh, on three of us as founders to kind of continue delivering what is expected from us to different stakeholders, right? So I think that kind of also, it's a, you don't look at it like a burden uh, here, as in it's more like, you know, continuing to push on doing the right things because there are expectations and uh, that responsibility is what kind of gets you out of bed to basically say, you know, these are the right calls that we need to make or the right decisions that we need to take. But I think primarily these two things as in if at some point, say the whole curiosity angle goes away, I think I'll know that basically yeah, I need to stop doing what I'm doing just because then it's not fun anymore for me as in any conversation, be it this or say the one that I've had previously, the next meeting, like if I don't go in with the idea of learning something from it uh, and saying, okay, how does this work? Why, why, like I asked you a bunch of questions around how do you do things? So without that whole angle of curiosity or inquisitiveness, like things don't remain fun anymore. Absolutely. No, I think that's spectacular to end on. If we can all take away the fact that asking ourselves what can we learn from a particular conversation or any exercise uh, is, I think, a great way to end this conversation. Thank you so much, Vasan, for your valuable time. I think I superbly enjoyed this conversation and learned a ton about company building, learned a ton about what you are doing and about all the amazing things that Small Case has been up to and how you make it happen. So thank you so much for your time. I'm sure everybody here again will take back some valuable lessons and I hope you enjoyed it as well. No, absolutely. I am really excited, like I said, to be part of this, enjoyed the entire conversation and I really love what you're doing. So I just hope you keep doing this more often. Awesome. With that, we come to the end of this conversation. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're finding value with the podcast, do follow it on the audio streaming platform of your choice drop in a review and subscribe to our WhatsApp newsletter to get all the updates directly on your inbox. Thanks again. I will see you next week for another episode. Till then, I hope you record. If you never try, you'll never know. Stay tuned and keep building.